Welcome to Vulcan Hello, the incomparable Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am your host, Scott McNulty. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason Snell. How are you, Jason? I'm doing great, Scott. Back with another episode of Star Trek Discovery. That's yes. uh, three. Good for them. Three in a row. They did a good <laughs> job, everybody. People said they didn't have it in them, but they did. The third episode has been posted. We have watched it. It is called Point of Light. Yes, R.I.P. George H.W. Bush. That's right. There's only one. Uh, 999 so left to go. <laughs> That's right. We will We will hunt them, and we will kill them. Uh, well, we should first, uh, before we jump in, we should visit everyone's favorite segment, uh, Spotting Spock, The Search for Spock, <laughs> yep. which adds, asks the question, was Spock in this episode? The answer is no. No. Spock is not in this episode. No, a lot of talk about him, some dramatic revelations about what uh, may be going on with Spock, but he's not in this in this episode. Not gonna, appearing in this episode. I'm going to so introduce a new um, speculation segment at the end, by the way. Ooh, I have decided to it. it's time. I have enough speculation energy now after three episodes <laughs> of just absorbing speculation particles that I have gotten the speculation phaser up and running, and we will uh, we'll go there at the end. Oh, I should also yeah. mention... This episode, like this whole season of Flashcast, is brought to you by the New Mexico Tea Company, nmtco.com slash TV, and you can go there, and you don't have to buy anything. You can still fill out the survey, our Star Trek survey, for the game show episode we're going to do in a while, um, and you can look at all the teas that are there, including a brand new tea inspired by Star Trek, and I, if I do say so myself, suggested by me, which Ooh. is Harcourt's Genuine Jipper. So if you would like to be sipping jippers on a beach somewhere, <laughs> you might consider this tea that has been formulated by the New Mexico Tea Company, and apparently it's blue. Oh. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, so yeah, check that out, uh, nmtco.com. That's right. It has uh, juniper berries, black tea, oolong, rosemary, uh, tulsini, I guess. I don't know. See, I don't know what that is. Pea flower, yellow tea, white tea. There's all kinds of teas. Rose, cardamom, and my favorite, natural, natural flavors. flavors. <laughs> Yeah, Go so set some jippers on a beach. Uh, yeah, uh, previously, in Star Trek Discovery, we are reminded in Klingon <laughs> oh. this time. Oh, man. Klingon. This, yes, that's right. Welcome back, Klingons. The Klingons are back. This episode is, is uh, I think, surprising to me the way it's structured. It is, like last week we had the classic original series episode. This is almost mm-hmm. like a classic Next Generation episode in the sense that, or, or one of the you know, 90s shows, because it's... A plot and B plot. Like, mm-hmm. that's what this is. There's two storylines going on here. And, you know, they are pushing the story arcs at the season forward, presumably. In fact, if I have a criticism of this episode, it's that um, kind of nothing happens. Like <laughs> That's what I was going to say. There's, <laughs> right? There's, I mean, there's some drama on the Klingon side, but there's mm. a lot of talking. There are a lot of things that are learned. But I feel mm-hmm. like after the first two episodes are really like, let's dive into the season. This episode is the, oh boy, we got to 
we got to build some information. <laughs> we got to start stacking some stuff up so that we can get the get the whole you know story started here. And mm-hmm. so, kind of, unless you really like Klingon fights, which uh, there are some and they're kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. On a, viewed on another level, um, nothing happens in this episode. I enjoyed it, but it is kind of funny how it's like so <laughs> dramatically different pacing wise from the last two episodes. Yes, this is kind of like uh, before we go on. Yes. You need to know some things. You need to know a lot of things about Spock and Amanda and the relationship between Spock mm-hmm. and Michael Burnham. We need to see, we need to do a, a Klingon check in. I guess, the, I mean, there is a, a, a third they? plot, which is the, which is the Tilly is possessed by a mycelial a fungus. spore fungus mm-hmm. that is the green thing we saw in the last episode of, uh, or, or one of the last episodes of last season. Um, so that is that is the C plot, and and some stuff happens in that one, but it's it really is. It felt to me like it is the C plot. It is the what the the yes. plot where things happen is the plot that is the smallest of all the plots in this one. I, I agree. So I think we should start with the C plot because sure. something happens there. So we you know Tilly uh, as uh, people who have watched the first two episodes, Tilly's been seeing this this ghost uh, May who starts off seeming like a, a nice ghost like a friendly ghost if if i could coin a phrase uh and this episode uh turns her attitude a little bit uh and it seems like she's more like a ghost on a mission yeah it it is um i think what's happening here is that she liked it when she was just an influential person in tilly's life that she thought that was a good way to manifest herself and uh, in this episode tilly starts to freak out and it's like "I, i i know you are not a person um and so I need to disregard you. And we get yeah. that scene where she freaks out in the bridge chair and she yells mm-hmm. at Pike and all of that. And I think that the, you know, the, the ghost is like really, I, I liked it that the ghost is like really angry. Like, why are you not listening to me? We have a plan. There's a whole thing I want to do here. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you not believing in me ruins my plan. <laughs> and that's absolutely right. Like more hallucinations should get irate when they're found out. <laughs> it's true. It, it, she makes a valid point uh and then they do this nifty thing where uh so she's like oh is that the captain there on the bridge and may says oh is that the captain and it's pike and uh tilly's like yes it's the captain leave me alone uh and and may is like that's not the captain he's 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 got blonde hair and he's much whiter <laughs> yeah yeah he's a very pale man and i'm like who could that be it's stamets of course it's stamets, it's stamets because mm-hmm. this person is uh this whatever it is I, I that was the moment where i'm like oh this is a this is like a spore ghost isn't mm-hmm. it and that was and i i was relieved two things i'm relieved about one i'm very happy that tilly having a secret friend who's a, a ghost uh did not get played out over multiple episodes oh, where she's too. like you know oh go away ghost go away ghost i'm gonna be fine like literally the next episode it all falls apart i think that's really good i hate it when they string stories like that along i'm also Mm. really relieved after that little green dot landed on tilly last season and i and i I, honestly i rolled my eyes i was like oh boy planting seeds for next season we're gonna have a whole plot about that it's like nope it's out in the open right now like it's not we don't have to wait we don't know it's coming for like eight episodes before they finally address it it's like episode three directly addressed uh i was relieved about that too that's like let's just get to it and see what happens next and so i was happy with both of those things and the other thing i really liked is when they finally piece it together i was i was i think it was funny that when tilly has her complete breakdown on the bridge somehow the next time we see her she's in the quarters and at least burnham says 
why are you not in or, or they're looking for you and she's like I can't go to sick bay I've been avoiding sick bay this whole time because I was sitting there thinking how did they not lead her directly to sick bay under guard after her complete freak out on the bridge but I guess she got it together off camera I don't know I, I guess she did have a, a pretty much a complete breakdown complete and uh, storm and off the bridge utter seems breakdown. like they might say something strange with Tilly. something stranger with Tilly. yeah and, and well is... i mean pike notices like you're not ensign you're not talking <laughs> right like there's something really wrong with tilly she's not talking and then mm-hmm. um so i like that when they get it get her to engineering and they're figuring they work the problem they figure it out we get a glare and care from saru who's yes, like yeah i knew you were acting like a crazy person but oh you were just sick it's going to be fine, Tilly. And I'm like, there it is. Management style for Saru. Some more glare and care for Tilly. Um, but the best part is that they're like, yeah, no, there's like a, there's like a spore. There's like an alien uh, <laughs> mirror universe spore in here. Stamets is like, I know what we can do. And he gets out like a big uh, like laser suction thing and goes, I'm just mm-hmm. going to pull it out of you right now. And I yep, thought that was really hurt. cool. There's no like discussion or I could work something up in a couple of hours. He's literally like, I'm not going to give this thing any time to try and fight this. I am literally going to take this piece of equipment and flip it on and you just and yank the crap yep. out of whatever is in you, <laughs> Tilly. And I, I it, it was shockingly fast. And I, I actually kind of thought it was great. Like, nope, let's do it right now. It's no no anticipation. We don't want you to get nervous. We're going to just do this right now, and they did. It was it, that was kind of fun. Yes, and and I think that uh, I like Saru's reaction when the thing gets pulled out, and it's like this this pulsating blob. blob and Saru pulls out his phaser and is going to shoot it, and then they put a force field around it. Yeah. And, uh, to be continued because Tilly uh, was possessed by a blob, and now you know, and, and that's it's a good point too, where it's like, well, we solved that problem. There's this whole other mystery, which is what is this blob, and mm-hmm. what is it trying to do? Because uh, when it's May, it says like, no, 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 I got the plan. There's a the whole plan. we got the plan. We got to do the plan, and what the heck is that? What is going on? And I like that that the. Um, the mycelium stuff and the idea that they're the multi-universe and there's things in the mycelial network and all that like mm-hmm. still part of the plot it's very weird um because it's weird and not like most star trek we've seen it's not easy to kind of guess about exactly where it's going um and i i thought that was all fun yes and this this spore comes from the mirror universe mycelium network, right exactly right which yeah. is b which was you know pretty much in bad shape right because they were destroying it in their their lust for power right uh so i assume its plan has something to do with saving itself in the mirror universe but could be who knows could be could be so that's i mean that i think that's, that's basically the whole plot but it was it was fun to see i enjoy the scene where tilly completely freaks out and i like the fact that none of it was it, it all happened really fast i like that it wasn't belabored because you you i think mm-hmm. in other shows you've seen plot lines like this that have taken four times as long and yes. it's just like get to it we know where this is going to go we know she's not going to be she's going to be found out why don't you just get to it and they just they i like that they got to it right away i will say i think that you know strange things happen to starfleet officers all the time so i feel like there should be some kind of manual that says do you think that you are under the influence of an alien presence (laughs) so so you're possessed by an alien (laughs) exactly just follow these three steps yeah that's right there should be they should be quoting regulations well according to starfleet general order nine which involves a an officer being possessed by an alien entity i think if you look in subsection two you should go to sick bay that like they should just do that like it's just there's regulations about this it's fine i should tilly should be totally fine telling everybody that but i I think that the the 
subtext, uh, well, it's not really a subtext. The, the, her, her fear is that this should get kicked out of the training program. Yeah. So she doesn't want to tell anybody yeah. that she's uh, seeing this thing. It's imposter syndrome, but of course her imposter is actually her spore ghost that she's got. That's right. That's right. That's uh, More people should think about that. Uh, if you feel like you're, you're an imposter, just think you might be infected with a spore ghost. Spore ghost, so, yeah. spore ghost. so that's that's the C plot. Uh, there you go. Tilly's fine. We'll find out more next episode about what this blob is. Uh, that brings us to our A and B plots. A. I, let's start with the A plot, I suppose, which is the Spock. Yeah. Shenanigans. Oh, uh, more Spock shenanigans. <laughs> more Spock shenanigans. This is, this is an episode where a lot of people talk about Spock. Uh, we don't hear Spock. No. We see some of his drawings of the Red Angel. It's <laughs> yes, the art of Spock. <laughs> but we don't we don't hear from him. Uh, but we do see uh, his mom. And we see a Vulcan ship, who, uh, uh, which I was excited about when I saw it in the first 10 seconds. I was mm-hmm. like, I turned to Marisa and I said, oh, it's a Vulcan ship. And she rolled her eyes and ignored me. <laughs> she was not so excited. But... That's a lot in life of a Star Trek fan. But yes, it is a Vulcan ship and it's Sarek's ship. And so obviously Burnham is sent down to... To visit to her father, him. and of course, it is Amanda instead, mm-hmm. uh, who is not happy. No, and it turns out she's been to Starbase Five, and they wouldn't let her in to see Spock, but she stole his medical <laughs> file. And I like that there's that payback uh, payoff later, where uh, Pike is talking to the guy from Starbase Five, and he's like, "You know, bad stuff happened. We lost the file. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening in Starbase. <laughs> nope, nope. Nobody says says anything. Uh, and it turns out that yeah, like Spock is what and Spock's what, in trouble. Yeah, I like the there's the there's the scene. Uh, I really like Pike and that scene where uh, Amanda and Burnham go to Pike and they're like, we have this this medical record that she stole from Starbase 5. Maybe we should unlock it. And he's like, I'm not, I can't do that. That's against the regulations. It would be very bad. But I will mm-hmm. talk to my buddy while you're standing off to the side at Starbase 5 and we'll work mm-hmm. this out. And he's like, hey, buddy. And the buddy's like, mm. first off, he's like, we don't use screens anymore. We use holograms now. And he's like, whatever, I'm old fashioned, which made me laugh. Like, I like that They a just lot. Hung, a, hung a lantern on that. But he's like, buddy, tell me what's going on. He's like, I can't do it. It's all a secret. Well, I'll tell you that Spock killed three people and escaped <laughs> but other than that i have nothing to say to you which is I, I can't i can't tell you anything but let me tell you some juicy gossip yeah what we hear is that he killed three people and escaped and is and and their people are we got we got our top men looking looking for him top men right top. and and then mm-hmm. the, but the best part is that when that communication ends pike looks at them and it's like yeah let's totally go decrypt that thing. <laughs> we gotta see what's on those files. He goes 180 degrees he's like this is super weird and fishy and i don't like it and mm-hmm. uh we're gonna just decode that thing now yeah. and they and th- that's the record that has among other things all of his uh all of his, his, his red his angel, red angel drawings. drawings which of mm-hmm. course is the being that that burnham thinks she saw on the asteroid back in uh, episode one Yes, and I like when they were sitting at his table. Uh, they have chairs at the yes. room now, and mm-hmm. uh, Burnham and uh, Amanda are both like Spock would never kill anybody. That's not like Spock. Uh, we don't believe it. And Pike says, "Well, that makes three of us. Uh, let's open up these files, shall yeah. we?" Uh, and then I also like a nice point uh, uh, for uh, Pike's command uh, uh, ethos is that he he commands uh, Burnham to open it. Thereby, if they get in trouble, it's really his fault, yeah. and not hers. Yeah. Yeah, I no, liked. I think he's a he's a solid guy. He feels like he's you got to prove himself to this crew after they've dealt with Lorca, but he's he's mm-hmm. definitely a, a a solid guy. And then um and then the other revelation I guess is is the historical revelation. I really liked that Amanda says 
oh, this is why we never have family dinner with the four of us, basically. <laughs> You're right? the reason. <laughs> it, is that Burnham, and, and this, let me see if, if this is how you read it. What, what I got out of it was basically that Burnham felt like the logic extremists who <laughs> had is a phrase I love who had attacked. Yes, that's right. They're it's extreme logic. It's the most logical of all the logic. It's totally insane. It's extreme logic. Mm-hmm. That, and it, that it means you blow stuff up. And remember her background is that, is that not only were her parents killed by Klingons, but then she was wounded in a, mm-hmm. in a, a Vulcan terrorist Vulcan. attack by logic extremists who did not like that. There was a human. They're basically like, uh, they're, they're, they, they hate other alien races, uh, and, and, uh, because they're not, they're not logical. And, mm-hmm. uh, and she says that she pushed Spock away by doing something right. she does not yet want to reveal, but something terrible in order to make him not like her and stay away because he was kind of following her around and that she pushed him away to protect him and all of her attempts to make amends throughout their, uh, their adult lives has come to nothing where he is not interested in speaking to her. And I think that's, you know, again, it's, they're dripping out this information, but I think that's, I think it's interesting and in taking a piece of the very complicated backstory of Burnham from season one and trying to make a, uh, a connection that explains why she was trying to sort of like, um, keep a distance between herself and Spock instead of them being mm-hmm. buddies. And she wasn't, she, she was trying to repair this relationship that she seemingly has uh, broken irrevocably. Yeah. Um, and by saying, I assume something super mean to Spock, probably, uh, I don't know, you're not a real Vulcan or something, or your mom loves me more than you, whatever, yeah. uh, will anger a small Spock. Something to make, uh, make a, yeah, make a, make a young Spock. Uh, decide that you're not my sister and I'm not going to talk to you and you're, you know, I, I'm not interested in seeing you anymore or whatever yeah. it is. We don't, we don't, we don't know that. And we uh, get a, a more glimpse into Spock's upbringing because uh, Amanda talks about how, you know, maybe it was a psychotic break because we kind of basically made him not be emotional yeah. even though he's half human. So maybe that's my fault because yeah. I played along with Sarek. I really like that, that, that Amanda's analysis is... I encouraged him to be Vulcan, even though he's half human. And I wonder mm-hmm. if I I broke him. Basically, as a, as a parent, she's like, he was half human. We emphasized his Vulcan side. We should have, you know, did we ruin him and turn him into a psychopath by um, preventing him from embracing his human emotions and his human side? Which is, a, I mean, it's a really interesting take on what it must have been like to raise Spock that I don't know if I've seen before. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I think so Spock has been one of the best characters of Star Trek forever. Right. And it's because he has this interesting duality about him and uh, this, I think there's a rich vein of storytelling to be told there and that they are certainly mining it and it makes it very uh, interesting uh, to see what they're doing and adding Burnham into the mix, while well, I know it has annoyed some people because we've never heard of her before, but right. I think it makes it even more interesting because she is fully human. She's trying to be as Vulcan as she can, but Amanda says, you know, in response to that, Burnham says, no, no, Amanda, you, 
you loved us. You showed your love to us all the time. This is not your fault. And to, to which Amanda said, no, Burnham, I, I showed it to you. Yeah. You were my outlet for my emotion. I never showed it to Spock, but you were there so I could, you know, emote and, and you know, show all the love I had for both of you f- just to you. Uh, and so kind of, you know, layering on even some more guilt onto Burnham as well and which, making their relationship even more fraught. I feel like that's got to be what ultimately what it is, is that she said to him uh, is something about, you know, his mother's love. And that she, right. you know, she can't love a half a human or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she loves me because I'm human and you're not or something like mm-hmm. that. Something really poisonous that she might say just to push him away that probably did other damage. That's that's the, definitely the vibe I get from Ver- Burnham is like, I did it to take care of him, but it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of messed him up. And now I regret that that happened. I was trying to do the right thing, but I was a kid and it was mean and it had way more impact than I thought it would have. And, you know, we're still feeling it even now. But um, when you think about, uh, again, it all goes back to DC Fontana. It goes back to Journey to Babel and mm-hmm. the idea that um, in that episode, it's very much like Amanda is encouraging of Spock's human side. And you get the sense almost like she's on Dr. McCoy's side a little bit where it's like, you know, Spock, you're half human. You're not just half Vulcan. You know, you're not just Vulcan. You're half human. Um, and and here they're, yeah, they're playing with that, 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 um, that palette, those, those colors. They're trying to paint a new picture that is like, what was that childhood like? And it's interesting that the way they're going is sort of like Amanda is now questioning herself for not pushing him to be more human because, the, of course, the Spock we see in Star Trek is... Uh, is basically a Vulcan, right? Like, that's yeah. that's one of the great contradictions of Spock. You mentioned his duality. I think it's fascinating, huh, fascinating, uh-huh. uh, that uh, I just raised an eyebrow. You didn't see it because it's a podcast. <laughs> that um, he is half human and Vulcan, and yet one of the things that, that when we meet him is he his human side is completely subsumed. And I know back in the day it was basically because he was supposed to be an alien, so they made him alien. But when you think about it, it's like, well, wait a second. You have completely completely um like pushed away half of your cultural identity and that's fascinating too it's a why why would you do that and i think discovery is playing in that right now and it's fascinating it's like yeah spock i think it's really smart for them to go down this route um part of it is probably just that they inherited the story from um from the the creator of the show back at the very beginning of season one but if you've got spock in the mix um, what that what we were seeing about season two is like just go for it. Captain Pike yeah. is there. Spock mm-hmm. is gonna maybe will be here at some point because they <laughs> cast a guy, so he's probably gonna be in it at some point. And like let's make so. and Burnham's relationship with Spock is 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 relevant and fascinating and it's very and, interesting and uh, logical. I uh, fascinating. I keep saying that. I you know <laughs> one day one day makes... I'll find a, a word that is a good alternative. Another thing oh, that Spock always says. Anyway, yes, uh, and you know it also gives us so using Sarek as a character in Discovery. You know he's always right. been. I mean Vulcans in general. I, I am long held the belief that Vulcans are racist jerks, right? So yeah. uh, it yeah. makes sense. And, and Sarek well, is and, kind of a jerk. And Sarek is like a, he's great because he's an archetype of the 
um, emotionally distant dad, right? He is mm-hmm. he he really does love his children, but he doesn't show it. Instead, he challenges them and questions them and does all these things that really mess them up. Where he thinks he's helping, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, it has all the all this fallout because he insists on being emotionally distant. And then Amanda, of course, is I mean, it really is like it plays into all our stereotypes about like the dad is more distant and the mom is more touchy feely. Except literally, it's like a Vulcan <laughs> and a human. It's mm-hmm. fascinating stuff. It, I really, I really love it. I keep saying fascinating because it's about Vulcans. Raise your eyebrow, people. Get your, those ears all pulled out and and, and pointy. <laughs> it's fascinating stuff. And then the the culmination of that scene uh, or of this plot really is uh, Amanda and uh, Burnham. Uh, Burnham uh, admits that you know basically she's the reason that Spock doesn't talk to her and they can't be together. Uh, and uh, but Burnham says, "Don't worry, we'll find him." To which Amanda gives a very Vulcan-like look to her and says, no, I will, and takes her file and just walks mm-hmm. off. I, she is not happy. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because um, I read that two ways. I read that that in the moment she's not happy with the revelation that she said something really mean to Spock and that and it turns out this behavior that she always was putting on Spock is actually mm-hmm. uh, Burnham's fault. But I also read it as being... Um, her taking the burden off of Burnham and saying, I'm going to find my son and, you know, presumably call for help if she needs it, but that she's going to go, she's not going to divert Burnham from her mission and that she's going to go find Spock on her own. Um, so I read it both ways, uh, you know? Yeah, I can see that. I read it mostly as she was angry, but I could see now that you say that, that also reads to me as accurate. Yeah. So it's a little I, bit of both. I think it is. I think it's a little bit of both and can be read read both ways because she still has her ship hanging out there so she just goes beams back to her ship and off to find spock but you know um you know but the red angel we'll get to i i'm going to save my thoughts about the red angel for uh for our our, our speculation zone spock saw the red angel when he was a kid yes we'll we'll say more of that in uh when the speculation phaser goes off yes that's right (laughs) that's right it's set to kill but hopefully it won't shoot us um, but enough of this Vulcan nonsense. What about uh, the Klingons, Scott? What about what of what the, about Klingon the Klingon Empire? nonsense? So, Jason, t- t- let me just ask you: Did you feel a great need to revisit the Klingon Empire? So, I okay. So I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. That's basically I mean, my I answer. Like, I didn't. I didn't feel a need. However, I like Klingons. Here, here, here's here's what I have to say about it, which is, I like the way they did it. Mm-hmm. I love like I think there is a scene that scene where Burns got the universal translator and she's listening to uh, them in English mm-hmm. and then the, they're and then they like go that. and they convert and then they're speaking in English and it's like mm-hmm. it's a little bit like the Hunt for Red October scene where Sean Connery starts reading out of the Bible and he stops speaking Russian and starts speaking English and mm-hmm. um but they they literally did that in this one where uh Lorel <laughs> is talking and her yes. subtitles turn into Klingon <laughs> subtitles yes. as she begins to speak in english i loved that and again i feel like that's the show saying we're sorry there were too many klingon <laughs> subtitles last year that was probably a mistake on our part so i, mm-hmm. I feel like they're do- trying to make amends there's that great line which is the uh i hear the klingons are growing hair <laughs> now that the war is over which is like ha- again hanging a lantern on it but it made me laugh it's like yeah they can grow th- they can let their hair grow now and also because out. we decided the bald klingons was weird and we're gonna add hair to everybody yeah. but um but that all said, I think um, 
I felt like last season we could never see Laurel and we could never see Tyler again. It would be fine. They obviously mm. decided that they wanted they wanted to have <laughs> Laurel and they wanted to have Tyler back on the show. And if you're going to do that, like I like how we see Laurel having to navigate this situation and the, the this incredible complexity. So Tyler decides to go with Laurel, but you know, just as he's not really Tyler, he's also not really Voke. And so having that all in this episode, we get like all of the complications there where Laurel mm-hmm. loves Voke, but Tyler isn't Voke, uh, and he has feelings for Burnham and he calls Burnham to be helpful, but then Laurel is jealous of him. Like I feel like all of that is necessary if you're going to essentially send Tyler off and and have him leave the Klingons. I I'm not sure. So I I don't know. Like I would have been fine if we had never seen any of them ever again, <laughs> but they're not going to do that. So given yeah. that we're going to have to deal with the Klingons, um I thought they did it really well. I just yeah, I would have been fine if if they didn't come back. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that I agree with you. I thought the Klingon stuff was fine, and I enjoyed seeing it. But I also thought it was superfluous. I mean, I didn't need it. I would have been happier. Oh, well, I don't know if I would have been happy, but I would have been happy if we had never seen any of it. But uh, there was. A, I did enjoy that they showed uh, a D seven Klingon. Uh, that was really was good. Like, oh. They got like the blueprints. We're gonna make. A, mm-hmm. We're gonna make a Klingon fleet. That was one of the things last season. If you remember, like all the different kinds of ships and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I liked that they had a kind of shimmering green, very much like uh, like uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture. Actually, yes. with a, mm-hmm. um, it's like a shimmering green blueprint of a of a, a klingon d7 cruiser and they're all going to have the united klingon symbol on it symbol, instead yeah. of the individual houses and they're basically setting up what we think of as the as the the klingons the, and the i klingon like that Empire. and i like that despite her like very quick winning over of the klingons in the last episode of last season laurel is really struggling to hold it together <laughs> because of course all the i i, I like this touch like all of the heads of the houses are men. Are <laughs> men, yes. And they don't, they they don't, and then this is the point that Giorgio makes later, right? Which is like, you can't have this guy here. They think that he's just pulling the strings and you're his puppet and he's a human and you gotta get, you gotta get rid of him because the men don't believe that, that we, you know, the women can do <laughs> mm-hmm. this. And I really, I really like that because that, that was all of the, again, this show this season is doing a lot of just like calling out the problems people had with parts of the last season and saying and now we're going to fix it and i really appreciate that part of it <laughs> yeah I, I think that the klingon stuff gets very interesting when georgiou shows up so uh let's just quickly sure it kills me that that was in the all the trailers i mean like they could have shown georgiou but they showed her transforming from an alien into georgiou and and i spent That's the a cool entire that was ruined i spent the entire time knowing that whatever happened Giorgio was going to step out and transform and save the day and so when they get to the moment which was actually really dark right which is like I'm going to kill Tyler I'm going to kill the baby because oh we didn't mention like there's a baby there's there's a a secret Klingon baby baby. secret (laughs) Klingons have secret Klingon babies people Um, and it's like we're going to kill I'm going to kill him and I'm like no but you're not because Giorgio's going to appear because I saw it in the trailer which is too bad that's why you should do the full media blackout I guess people I guess Um, so but that was it was a dramatic moment i wish i had not seen it coming uh because that was that was a great moment and and i like that basically it's 
I mean, it's the Federation intervening in, in Klingon affairs, yes. right? It is literally Directly. Section 31 is saying, we, it is, she says, it's, we, we want you to stay in charge. And she's like, who do you mean we? And it's like, <laughs> come on, it's the Federation. We like this idea of not having, we want stability here. We mm-hmm. want a single leader in the Klingon Empire and not the, all the houses who are going to keep attacking us. We just want one, uh, one government here. And, uh, that's all, yes. that's all very interesting. But um, I love yeah. uh, when they're like uh, 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 Tyler's like, oh, Emperor Georgiou, and she's like, no, I am Captain. Captain I don't know what you're Captain talking about, <laughs> Georgiou. I am a Starfleet security consultant. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. She's like, she works for for like Blackwater, basically. She's like, exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. I I'm totally on the up and up. I'm not from a parallel universe. I was not an emperor of anything. This is my it's job. Ridiculous. I'm having a good time, apparently. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's. Uh, that's her. That's her gig now. Is is yeah. is uh, Section Thirty One <laughs> doing covert ops for? And we don't want this jerk being chancellor. You're the jerk we want to be chancellor. Uh, and are you okay with killing Tyler? <laughs> yeah, that was also really interesting. We were like, well, I had to ask, right? Like, super convenient for us to for for you to just kill him. But if you're not willing to do that, then we'll take him off your hands and. And uh, I and you know they they kind of want him to be their agent, which w- is revealed when we go back to their mm-hmm. Section Thirty One ship and her They're super uh, cool Section Thirty One. Her, her commander, ship. who's that guy who was in that like scene that they released on the web mm-hmm. this summer cool. or something, Just it's, handing out black badges. Everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so they, I, I think that was more a test for Lorel, like to be like, you know, can you kill, can you kill Tyler? And it's like, no, no, oh, Tyler's important to you. Okay, that's good to know. Good to know. Yes. And, and oh, and they give the they give the baby to baby? the planet of the Klingon monks. So <laughs> forget the baby, because you know that's what you do. Yeah, the baby beams down. No one's allowed on the planet. So uh, I guess the monks will take the baby, and it'll be fine. Uh, and that baby to... will grow up to be. <gasps> Oh, just a Klingon that we never see. <laughs> there's, there's an episode. Oh no, I don't think that's a Klingon. The Deep Space Nine has a the episode the albino, uh, but I don't think he's a Klingon. So, nah, all right, not a tie-in. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but we get to see. Uh, so not only do they, uh, Georgiou whisks away Tyler and the baby, she leaves a parting gift of a replicated head of both Tyler and the baby, so that uh, Lorel can throw them into what. You know, the Klingon uh, council chamber seems very dangerous to me because it seems to be in a volcano. <laughs> uh, they throw yeah. it, She throws the heads into a vol- the volcano and everybody's like, oh, great. Uh, and then it ends with, she's like, don't call me chancellor. You have to call me mother from now on, which I thought was weird, but... Your mother of dragons is what I wrote down. <laughs> like, it's very much like I would be the mother of dragons from here on out. Yeah, she says, I'll never have... That will be my only child. I'll never have children again. You are my children. Call me mother. Uh... Klingon remain Klingon or whatever they're chanting now. Yeah, uh, and Tyler uh, joins Section Thirty One. Yeah, um, and uh, they're chanting they "Make uh, Kronos <laughs> Great Again." Great again. Yes, is what they're chanting. The, the, I did. I did spy uh, uh, a red baseball cap on yeah, one of the uh, Klingon. I mean, that's uh, just traditional Klingon garb. Come on. Yeah. yeah. He uh, he he was mid uh, regrowing his hair back, and he was embarrassed about yeah. it. So he just wore the hat. In. That's right. Well, see, he got to do the like Klingon comb over, and it's very oh, embarrassing. So you just good. put that wear a hat in the meantime. And uh, that is those are the high points of this episode. I think uh, so. Uh, before we we fire off the the uh, conspiracy phaser, what is it called? Yeah, <laughs> the I don't speculation know. phaser. I don't know. It's something. something like that. 
What, what did you think of this episode overall, Jason? Uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't like it as much as the first two, mostly mm-hmm. because, as we said at the beginning, kind of nothing happens unless you're really <laughs> invested in kind of like some Klingon plot points. It pushes everything along. I feel like this is the the mirror of um those furniture moving episodes that happen right before a finale where they've got to mm-hmm. just kind of get the plot in place i feel like this is an episode that's very similar where they're they're moving stuff around and setting things up because they've got to get structured this was not a standalone episode even though it has some no. nice standalone action with the tilly plot it really is a, an episode that is about setting up the the next whatever nine weeks of storytelling and and those are never my favorites but there's a there was a it, it doesn't diminish my enthusiasm for the season because i feel like as i said um they are well aware of what the real issues were with the first season and are kind of committed to addressing them so i liked all the individual parts i just was a little less enthusiastic about it because it wasn't you know, it wasn't a standalone. It wasn't as exciting. It was more of a, a setup episode. Right. This is like a, a connective tissue episode yeah. that will lead us into the next part. Uh, I will say, uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. The thing that I am got most out of this episode is how excited I am for the Captain Georgiou series because I enjoyed her scenes so much and she's great uh so i'm excited to see what they're doing with that glee that she has like Mm -hmm. this is a person who really likes her job is the impression (laughs) i get i think she's i i I want more dialogue with her because i think that the emperor is a fascinating character um and i wonder like why you know why is she doing what she's doing and maybe they're going to end up with like there's some kind of like secret plot that she's got or something to get back to the. But I, I'm sure she does. But well, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks maybe her whole like emperor thing was she was like on the fast track to be an emperor, and um, and and she's kind of like enjoying the vacation. That's what I, that's what I wonder, right? Well, like, there's a lot less pressure now, but I think right. I suspect in the end, yeah, she's got a plot to either become the she's emperor kind of or the plot. federation, or to mm-hmm. get back to the mirror universe. One of those. Right. You, you, you tell she she's missed out on this hands-on activity as emperor. She was doing a lot of paperwork, and you know, people were being brought to her to be killed. She wasn't going out to kill them, so now she's happy to be about out in the field again, doing stuff. Yeah. That's what I. That's how I read her character. Right. But let's let's fire off the uh, the old conspiracy phaser. Yes. <laughs> the the what I wrote down the red angel phaser. Oh, the red angel phaser. So this is the red angels. These are this is the central mystery of the entire second season. These angels are appearing. Burnham has seen it. Spock has seen it. He's drawing them, and now we find out. And in the last episode, we saw a red angel in yeah. a stained glass uh, window of that wacky planet they went to. Uh, uh, the planet wasn't all that wacky. Uh, the the and- planet of uh, a New England village with a church. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you can think of a wackier planet, Jason, <laughs> that's about as wacky as it gets um and in, in this episode we find out little baby spock well probably toddler spock yes. has been seeing the has seen the red angel many years ago uh, and it told him not only did he see it he had a vision where uh burnham ran away and everybody was freaking out uh but the red angel told him where she was and right. sarah went to find her and she right was yes and and this is also i i wanted to just speculate for a little bit about uh what this could be and i don't mm-hmm. have any information <laughs> i am just speculating but the I first baseless speculation what, what comes to mind 
is, I mean, it could be that this is a miraculous uh, vision of a special life form that is trying to guide us in the right places. But when it's manipulating Spock and telling Spock where to save Burnham and then going and appearing to Burnham on the asteroid and pointing them to New Eden in order to save them and pointing them at the asteroid to get Tignataro and, and all the people there and save them. <laughs> and, and all of that is going on. I start to think, I... I suspect, first off, I suspect the Red Angel and the Red Bursts are not um, not the danger, that they may be actually attempting to get everybody's attention to stop something from happening that's dangerous. Um, and, and my other feeling, it could be related to the mycelial network and the multiverse and all of those kinds of things and a greater consciousness there, but... Um, the when they were talking about the Red Angel knew where Burnham was, and I kept thinking, this whole Red Angel thing, if you think about it, is trying to get Burnham in the right place at the right time to save people and do stuff in this season. And if it's happening in her childhood, too, that the Red Angel is doing this, I start to think time travel. I start to mm-hmm. think the Red Angel is some force from the future that is trying to set Spock and Burnham on a path where they can, you know, do something to save, uh, save the, the universe or whatever, which also makes me think that the, um, when the guy, uh, last week, the, the science guy said, I think I'll see you Mm -hmm. again. It's like, we're going to have to find a reason why the red angel saved them. And then brought the discovery there to save them from their radioactive uh, rings because they're part of this plan in some way. I think I don't know the details yet. I'm just I'm just kind of riffing on it. But it it feels like that's what we're being pushed to is that there is a force that is working and has either been working for a long time or more likely is working from the future Mm-hmm. And is is intervening at various points to get everybody to go where they need to go, and that uh, so that's that's the best I can do right now. It could also be a you know instead of time travel, we could talk, call it like a multiversal kind of thing where the, the somebody in the multiverse in the mycelial network has seen a path that needs to be followed in order to solve a problem that stops some giant evil from from happening, and that that may be where we get to. But um, and, and I guess my only additional knowledge is that I have seen that trailer that we already talked about and there are spoilers in that trailer because one of the spoilers in the trailer is spock who we're still searching for but will appear at some point mm-hmm. says that there's a force that's going to destroy all sentient sentient life in the galaxy right and that's yeah, the, that's that's where we're headed here mm-hmm. and i feel like okay that is the red angel is here to guide everybody to the right solution um i don't know whether there will be a revelation about what the red angel actually is or if it will remain somewhat mysterious but uh, anyway my this is a long way of saying my time travel sensor senses are tingling right now. <laughs> I, I I agree, and, and I have some even more baseless speculation that is probably not true, and probably one of these things where you know too much about Star Trek, so you draw connections uh, that aren't there. But so when I think Red Angel, and I think the color red with Spock, it makes me think of Red Matter, which has ah. destroyed Romulus, right, uh, and had all kinds of. Uh, hijinks with time travel in the movies and Spock is involved with that. So I wonder if there's some red matter and this is a future Spock trying to reach out to past Spock to make sure that red matter is not, you know, destroying the world or something like that. That's probably not it at all. But 
that is what my mind has has wandered it's true I, I do have those moments where i wonder if the the solution to this is going to be that you know if it's some sort of time travel hijinks uh we did see in that one short trek that the uh discovery gets parked for a thousand mm-hmm. years or whatever yeah. if it could be themselves um and the other thing i wonder is if it could be somebody we maybe from the future who maybe we've even seen that it's this is related oh. to something that happens in the in the future and there's a uh, next generation era or you know it's captain or, picard or, or, or so yeah it's ca- the red angel you heard it here first folks the red <laughs> angel is is uh lieutenant uhura <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. I don't know how they would explain it, I but I would like it. She's just opening in handling frequencies from the future. That's all. That's all she's doing. She's yeah. very good at her she job. She wears red. Oh, see? I like the connections, Jason. I don't know. So it's, maybe this is not the best conspiracy corner, but we'll we'll gather more information next well, week and figure it we out. Have, we have very little to go on. We're, yeah, no, it's early, early days yet. I mean, I, I'm sure that there's a Reddit post that has figured out the entire thing, just like they figured out how that Ash Tyler was Vogue last year, but... But yes. that, that's still, I, like, I think that still took like five episodes. So we'll, we'll, yes. we're, we're not there yet. The, the internet hasn't yet solved the entire story arc for this season. Oh, but it will. It will. And yeah, it will. when it does, we will also talk about it. Yeah, we will it. shoot it with a conspiracy <laughs> phaser. That's right. And uh, I think we're done, Jason. <laughs> NMTCo.com slash TV, everybody. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. Drink some tea. Order some tea. Actually, just order the tea. You don't have to drink it. That's my... But you should drink it. It's delicious. <laughs> and sip some, uh, sip some jippers on a beach somewhere. Yes. Order, order the, the Jason special. The, the Harcourt Genuine Jipper. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.